0: That not everyone has that opportunity to have that, that community, that joy of community, but we can have that here. There are a few things in these verses that are really stressed, and we're going to stress a few of those points. And It's about maybe four points that are really stressed um, in these verses. And the first one is that the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumbers, right? It's hard to stay awake sometimes. We get tired. And if we do not stay connected to a body of Christ, if we don't stay connected, we could easily fall asleep. And, you know, Paul speaks about lethargy, where you're feeling tired. You know, you never feel tired until it's time to come to church. You, you, you never notice that? If, if, it's, if it's a day of fun in the sun, we are up at the crack of dawn. I remember when we used to do these outings when the kids were little, you know, and, you know, everyone was meeting at nine o'clock. We'd be up like seven o'clock in the morning, getting everything ready for the outing. So we're not concerned about that. But when it's time to come to the house of the Lord, we are so tight, everything hurts you know, just everything, my hair hurts, my eyes hurt, my nose, every part of me hurts from top to bottom, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to get up, I don't want to go, but I'll tell you one thing, when you push yourself and motivate yourself to get out into the house of the Lord, the minute you're here, you're like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for, this is what I've needed, just to just breathe in the Lord and just come and and feel energized, and feel encouraged when I'm in the house of the Lord. So it makes a difference. If you could push yourself, push yourself, sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes I'm all excited. I'm going to tell you for myself. Sometimes I'm all excited, and it's, you know, six in the morning, I want to go to church. I'm excited, and there's days that I'm dragging. Seriously, and I'm dragging, and after I get here, I'm like, ah, I just take a deep breath in the Lord and say, Thank you, Lord, that you helped me get here. I really needed to be here. And so Paul talks about this spiritual lethargy, and he says that in, in, in a state of lethargy, we tolerate sin. You know, we tolerate it, and we say, oh, that's okay. And, and we categorize sins, you know. Well, this one is only a little gray one. Well, this one, this one doesn't even count. It's so small, nobody can see it. Or, you know, this one, you know, it could go either way, but, you know, I'm going to be a little positive on it and say, I don't do this all the time. We make excuses for sin. Sin is anything that gets in the way of your relationship with God. Anything that breaks the relationship and the connection with God is sin. Anything that you put at a higher level than you put God is sin. Okay? It keeps us Away from God. That's the only thing that keeps us separate from God, is sin. See, when we acknowledge our sin and we say, Lord, you know, I messed up. I really intended to do well, and I kind of messed up this week. Lord, forgive me of my sin. And God says, what sin? That's how quickly he forgives us of our sin when we can acknowledge it. Yep, I did that. I did it. Don't come to him with excuses and explanations. We think that we could really convince God that what we did was not so bad, and we go to him, and instead of just confessing our sin, we come with all these reasons why, trying to convince him. And he's just there, mm hmm, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So what was your sin again? He is not going to let us off the hook. Because we need to confess our sins in order for him to forgive us. See, I had a person say, well, I don't need to pray to God about those things. He already knows what I've done. He can just forgive me. We need to acknowledge our sin and say, yes, I have sinned before the Lord. We need to say that so that we can then feel and receive God's forgiveness if we don't do that you know what happens the enemy will continue to hound you with the same thing well you know that you sinned how are you going to go to church today people are going to look at you kind of different they're going to know what you've done they're going to know what you've said and he will use that to just harass you and so you have to be determined to say I am not giving the enemy anything to hook himself on He's not hooking himself on me. He could go hook himself somewhere else, but he's not hooking himself on me. I'm acknowledging my sin before the Lord. I'm going to ask him for forgiveness. And the third part of this is you have to receive that forgiveness. We can't ask God to forgive us and continue to act like we're still under the weight of our sin. We have to do what they call a 180. You acknowledge your sin. You see it. You acknowledge it. You ask God for forgiveness, and then we have to turn our back on it. Don't do a 360. Don't, don't do a 360 because you're going to just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Say, God, help me that I could just do the 180. I'm acknowledging my sin. I'm turning my back on it, and I'm moving forward. Okay? Let's look at what Ephesians chapter 5.14 says through 17 tells us. You know, I always like to go to the Word because the Word is going to speak louder to you than anything I could say. So if you go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17, they say, Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns And spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart in the Lord. See, when we come together, that's what we do. We are encouraging each other and we are helping each other be able to move ahead. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Right? And it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I'm, I'm going to read just that little part over again. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. See, now when we read that, it's telling us, there's people that have no knowledge of God yet. And while you're wasting time and you're not awake and you're lethargic and you're asleep, there are people who do not get the opportunity to hear about God. And that should be shameful to you. If we stop and think, do you remember last year when um, we had, we had a, a guest speaker that asked us if we had won one soul in the whole year? Do you remember that? Was it Denise? Was that an eye-opener for you? I hope that was an eye-opener for you. To make you think, have I shared the gospel of good news with someone else? Because the time is growing short and I need to share the gospel so that as many as possible can be saved in these last days. So Paul is saying, listen, it's a shame to you. It should be that there are still people that do not know Christ. So Christ, he is very clear to his disciples and he says, listen, awake. Be concerned about your soul and your eternal life. Take heed of sin. Be ready and be serious in what is good and live in a constant expectation Of the coming of the Lord. See, we know these chapters are here. This doesn't mean that we sit in a chair or we sit in a pew and we say, I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to just sit here. No, the scripture tells us that we have to work while the day is still light. We need to work. We need to be involved in the things of the Lord. We have to be involved in kingdom work. That's what it says. It tells us we have to know the time. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us the day or the hour, but it tells us to look at the seasons, look at the times. And it tells us one real specific thing. It says, watch the fig tree. Doesn't it tell us that? It says, watch the fig tree. And we know that the fig tree is Israel. And so, just this week, I was telling my husband, I I was listening to a program, and they were reading a prophetic word, and I'm trying to remember if it was, I I was trying to look for it for you today. It was either uh, Ezekiel chapter 14 or Isaiah chapter 14, but it was a prophetic word that was spoken years before Jesus was born. And it was a prophetic word of this time. And it spoke directly to what is trying to happen right now with the United Nations, the splitting of Jerusalem. And I, and I heard the verse and I read the verse and I was like, wow, we are living prophetic times that are being fulfilled. And it talked about the splitting of the city. And it spoke to the remnant within the city. And so how God was going to be protecting the remnant of the city. And I'm saying, wow, we need to be paying closer attention to what's happening with Israel because that is going to determine what season we're in. And if we're careful and we watch, see the Bible is a prophetic book full of prophecies that were written way before we were born. And so when we look at these prophetic words that were spoken by men of God, and they're being fulfilled today in this day that we live. You need to wake up. You need to shake yourself awake and say, you know what? This is, this is closer than what I thought it was. This time of the end is closer than what I thought. It's time to wake up is what the scripture tells us. It says that it's, it's time for others to wake up and uh, around us as well. We have a great deal of work to do, and the Lord is calling us to it again and again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So we should be sensitive and awake and aware of the days that we are living in. You know, Paul spoke to, there would come a time when men would call those things that were good, bad, and those things that are bad, good. Can you say you have, have you seen that? Can we say that we're living in that, in that uh, scripture coming to life? Where we're like, how can you say that this is a good thing? And people are like, yes, oh yes, this is, this is a very good thing. We should all embrace this. And we're like, oh no, no, wait a minute. This is why we need to be awake. And this is why we have to stay spiritually alert. Because we are going to be able to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. We're going to be able to do that when our spirits are alert. No one will be able to deceive us because it could sound good. There's a lot of things in the country today that are legal, but that does not make them right before God. It doesn't make it righteous. And so even though it's legal and man is saying, yeah, sure, you can do that. You don't have to worry. You're not going to have a consequence. We, those of us in Christ Jesus, who read our Bible and know our Bible, know that they are consequences to sins that we commit. That we continue to commit and we continue to to commit and don't acknowledge or step away from. God is very clear. People say, oh, I can't read the Bible. I don't understand it. I think he's very clear. We read some of it in the beginning. Right one in the, in the beginning of the verses that we read in, in verse 11 where it says you have to cast off these things. And it talks about orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality and quarreling and jealousy. It, I think the Bible is very clear. When it tells us what are the things that will separate us from the love of God. What are those things? And we have to say no more. We've had enough of this. It's time to wake up and we've slept enough. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. 1 Peter 4, 3. And it says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Well, it sounds to me like what was going on (laughs) in the first century is still happening today in the 21st century. People continue to want to do what they want to do and they think there will be no consequence. I can't believe how many young people I have heard say, well, it doesn't matter if I die. Because when I die, we just go into nothingness. It's a void. There's nothing there. We just stop existing. I'm like, really? Really? Have you read the Bible lately? It tells us that when we die, we are, we are what? Body, soul, and spirit. And the Bible tells us that when we die, our body goes back to the earth from which it came. Now, isn't that true? That's what happens. It says that the spirit, which is, which is given by God, returns to God. And now look at this part here. Our soul. We determine where our soul goes. Are we going to spend eternity with God? Or are we going to spend eternity in hell? This is the, the truth. This is Bible. I'm not making this up. You have a choice. We're all given this choice of accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. See? The Bible even tells us that unto each man is given one opportunity in life. See? So no one can pray you out of purgatory. You have one opportunity in life. The same that everyone gets, they hear Jesus Christ. And and in this day and age, It's difficult for you not to hear about Jesus Christ because it's on TV, it's on the radio, it's in paper, it's in e-books, it's everywhere. So it's hard for you to sit here in the 21st century in Allentown, Pennsylvania and say, I've never heard, I've never heard anything. And you live across the street from the church, right? I don't know anything, I don't know anything about God. If you've been coming to Wednesday classes, you know that we've been teaching, looking at the word. And it tells us that no one will have an excuse because God made a point of putting it in the heavens. So as you look at the heavens, as you look at the, uh, at the universe, as you look at the trees that are being formed in your neighborhood, as you look at the grass that grows or the animals that walk around, everything speaks to the majesty of God and it speaks to us. That there is a God, a creator, who has created us for divine purpose. It's all there. So no one has an excuse. Not even the person that says, I don't know how to read and write. Look at the heavens. Look around you. His majesty is on display. See? It's in the word. I didn't make this up. It's in the word. Now, so we read First Peter, right? right? The second point that these, these verses makes is that salvation is nearer to us now than it ever has. It's nearer to us today than it was yesterday. It's nearer to us today than when we first believed. Okay, let's, let's do a little, a little, uh, question thing here. Let's see how well you do. How many can say that they've known the Lord, 50 years. Let's go with 50 years. Because I know there might be some of us that have less. Let's say 50 years. How many of us can say 40 years that you've known the Lord for 40 years of your life? Okay, look at that. How many can say 30 years of your life? 30 years of your life you've known the Lord. Look at that. How many can say 20 years? Look at that. 20 years. 10 years. I've known the Lord 10 years at least, right? How many can say five? I've known the Lord at least five years. And some of us can even say, I've known the Lord for one year. Guess what? From the time that you've known the Lord to today, what's today? February the 5th? He's closer today than he was 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, Ten years ago, his coming is closer. Closer. We have to remember that. It's closer. Each day that passes brings us closer to the time of Christ's return when he will take us. The scripture says he, we will be caught up. Caught up, which we call rapture. We will be caught up and we will meet Jesus in the sky. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for that moment, but I tell you, it's coming. Some people may, may sit, like I tell you, sit and wait in a pew, and they think that an alarm is going to sound, you know, in the clock. The alarm on the clock is going to sound, and it's going to tell them, okay, get ready right now. He's coming in the next five minutes. But those of us know that we're looking at a clock where the second hand is five minutes away, and we know that at any moment, the prophetic words that are yet to be fulfilled. For, the, for God to come and call us. The trumpet will sound and those that are in Christ Jesus will hear it. They will be caught up into the sky. These prophecies that are left can be fulfilled in a blinking of an eye. Faster than your head will spin. These prophecies, will, the ones that are left to be fulfilled, will be fulfilled. And Christ will call us to him. These these things are coming, they're coming around the corner. Let's look at Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28. Luke 21, 25 to 28. And it says, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations. Do we have distress of nations? It's happening. With perplexity. So much confusion. The seas and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing. Them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, what does it say? When these things begin to happen, what are we supposed to do? Fall asleep? Sit in the pew and wait? No, it says look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. It's drawing near. And so we have to lift up our heads and recognize it. When we read this biblical warning of the return of Christ, we need to just focus on the fact that if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we don't have to be concerned about getting ready at the last minute. There's nothing worse than getting ready at the last minute. You know, we, we, we've been to so many weddings and we, we've seen so many weddings and Why can't people be on time? I I just never figured that. You're planning a wedding for a whole year, two years, whatever. You're planning this thing. And then it's your wedding day. And you're not on time. It's like, you know, the parable in the scripture of the ten virgins. They know they're getting married. They know the bridegroom is coming. And five of them said... I got time. We got time. What's the big rush? What's everybody rushing us for? We have time. And the other five said, I'm not taking a chance. I want to be absolutely ready. When he comes, I'm ready to go. And we saw what happened in that parable. Five of them were left behind. Wouldn't that be something if if at these weddings that we go to, if we told the bride, listen, if you're not ready at your time of getting married, it's not going to happen? They'd be running out here with their hair all up. They'd be running out here, no makeup. They'd be running here all half-dressed because they know that they're going to miss it. What would happen to us if we knew the exact time of Christ just catching us up? In the, what would happen if we knew the time that the trumpet would sound? What do you think would happen? I'll tell you what some of us might do. I've given this a little thought. If we knew that the Lord was coming at 11.15, we would be partying, partying, till 11.10. Gives us enough time to clean up a little bit, say a couple of prayers, and be ready. Right? Some of us, would say, oh, wait, he's coming 11.15, I better start my day in fast, committing myself to the Lord, you know, just being ready. And some of us would say, he's going to be late. What are you talking about? He ain't ain't coming out at 11.15. That's okay. See? And so let us be ready so we're not concerned about whether we're going to miss the sound of the trumpet. Let's just live lives that are ready and conducive to hearing the Lord call us. Right? One of the the third thing that the verses said was, well, well, I did this one, right? Didn't I do Luke 21, Hebrews? Oh, wait, let's do Hebrews chapter 9. This is important. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. Hebrews chapter 9. 27, and 28. Let's read. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, this is the verse I was telling you about, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly e- eagerly waiting for him. Those who are eagerly waiting for him. We know that one of the crowns that are going to be given in heaven is for those people who prayed for the, for the Lord to come, who prayed, Lord Jesus, please come. And every time I hear things in the news, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, please come. Please come, Lord, because I don't know how much worse this can get. Have you said that when you've heard what's happening? How much worse can this get? And we need to remember to pray and say, oh, Lord Jesus, when? When is your return? Please come, Lord Jesus. Please come. That's what we need to pray about. Have you noticed that the days have been shortened? Do you ever notice that? Like when I was a kid, like my days seemed so long and never ending, never ending 24 hours. It was like, oh, we still have 24 hours. But for some reason, those 24 hours seem much shorter. Much shorter. That, you know, you, you notice your weekends after, you know, you have your weekends off from work. And before you know it, you blink your eyes and it's Monday morning and you're back at it. Time is growing shorter. And the scripture tells us that time is growing shorter for, love, for the, God, the love that God has. Because if God didn't shorten that time, even those of us that are saved would be lost. Because things are getting so much darker. There is so much more evil in the land. And so in order for, for Those of us that are here to be saved, God says, you know what? I have to shorten these days. And so we see that there's a shortening of the time. And the days are growing shorter. And it says that grace abounds. As sin increases, grace abounds. Because it has to abound. Because if grace didn't abound, God would put us all out of our misery. So grace has to abound where he covers us. And God is patient. long suffering waiting for us giving every single opportunity for people to come to the saving grace of Jesus giving us opportunity he's long suffering waiting for us having to watch us you know i think about that sometimes what i say you know I even tell my husband i say what does god think what does he say when he looks down and he sees the abominations that are going on in this country what does he think of it? When he looks down, what does he think of abortion? What does he think of these babies that are, that are dying on a regular basis? What does, he, what does he say? What does he think? And I realize that if it wasn't for grace, he would put so many, of us, so many of us out. Because in the scripture, we see so many times in the Old Testament that God saw an abomination when children were put to death and i tell you they put them to death on altars of sacrifice in the old testament pagan altars of sacrifice and today we sacrifice our children on the tables of operating rooms those are the altars that we take our children to and we sacrifice them you know living beings are sacrificed and so what does god think when he sees all this he has to shorten those days he has to increase grace so that we can be saved. The last point in these verses is the night is nearly over, and the day is almost here. Let's look at these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And it says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, he blinds the unbelievers. So they don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to acknowledge it. And, and you know, this is one of the reasons why I always tell you to pray and ask God to give you windows of opportunities where there are those moments in the life of an individual that they allow God to come through and you can speak that word that would reach the soul of an individual. And so we pray for windows of opportunities. God, let me have an opportunity to speak to this person or that person. Let me have an opportunity to let Jesus be displayed. Let me have an opportunity for Jesus to have the front seat, you know, let, let, let me have that opportunity, and um, I was thankful for that opportunity this Friday, when um, I spoke before the Jewish Christian Understanding Group, and um, Jean was there. Thank you, Jean, for your support, and um, it, it you know I had the opportunity. Whenever I had the opportunity to say prayer, did this God did it we are followers of Christ and as followers of Christ we have to live a life that is conducive to the walk that we that we say we profess and so having the opportunity to display Christ God prayer well how do you do this God's been providing how do you do that God's been providing and we've trusted God and we pray and we believe God those are windows of opportunity that you have, to speak into the lives of people that otherwise you would not have that opportunity, right? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 2 through 7, well actually 1 through 7, 1 through 7, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now when it speaks about the night nearly over and the day is almost here, the night of course, refers to the present evil time. The day refers to the time of Christ's return. And so believers today are living in the night. We're we're living in the midst of it, the time of darkness, and yet we have to shine in the midst of that. Right? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, Following the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. We were children of wrath. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that beautiful verse? Isn't that telling us clearly what our hope is in the Lord? Isn't that telling us clearly how God just wants to display his grace to us? How can we turn that away? How can we ignore that? It says the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. It tells us what we must put off. We have to put off our night clothes. Now, think about that a little bit. Do you think people go to work in the morning with the party and and club clothes that they wear at night? It was crazy. That was crazy. But typically, people don't go with their club clothes to work in the morning. Why not? Because some of that clothes is not appropriate. Club clothes are intended to attract the opposite sex, right? That's where the verse comes on about sensuality. And so if you work in an office, the last thing you want to do is go with your club clothes on. Usually they say, oh, I got to run home after work. I'm going to the club today. I got to change. You ever heard people say that? Because they have to put on the clothes of darkness. You've seen that in the verse, right? They have to put on the clothes. And it says, take off your clothes of darkness, the night clothes, and put on your armor of light, which is Ephesians chapter 6. Let us, therefore, who are of the day cast them off not only cease to practice them but detest and abhor them and have no more to do with them if we know the things that are offensive to God we have to say no more I'm, i don't want to do them again i need to stay away from these things that's what we got to say now i'm going to conclude with this matthew's chapter 24 Verses 36 to 44. Matthew 24, 36 to 44. Okay. We have to put aside the works of darkness, the deeds of darkness and sin. Before we read, a Christian must consider himself undressed if he is unarmed. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us what we're supposed to be wearing. If we're not wearing what's in Ephesians chapter 6, then guess what? We're undressed. We're not prepared for war. The graces of the Spirit are this armor. It secures our soul from the enemy's temptations and taunts. Jesus Christ is the best clothing for Christians to adorn themselves with. Be reflections of Christ. Be ambassadors of Christ. That when you walk, people say, that person is a follower of Christ. That's a Christian. That's a Christian over there. See? And so let's read Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to end with this. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Put your finger right there. You know what that means? That even Jesus doesn't know the moment. He's waiting on the Father. Everyone is waiting on the Father to say, that's it, enough, it's time. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know, Until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. See? So this is, this is a, a wonderful opportunity that God has given us today to really examine and evaluate our positions and our conditions before the Lord and be able to really say, wow, I need to shake it off. I need to wake up. Some of us are even in a coma, a spiritual coma. And you know what happens in a coma? You you can't move. You can't speak, right? But they say that you can hear. And you can hear what's going around you, but you can't respond. You're not able to respond. And that's what happens when you're in a spiritual coma. You hear the word, you can't respond to it. You hear the worship songs, and people are just singing it into it, and you can't respond to it because you're in a spiritual coma. See? So this is your opportunity today, really, for you to say, you know what, I'm either a little asleep, I'm a little lethargic, a little sleepy, tired, or I'm in a spiritual coma. And I need God to just wake me up. And I have to be receptive to waking up. And so this is a day that we can pray for you, with you. If you need to be strengthened in the Lord, or if you have not made a decision for Christ, this is the biggest thing. If you have not made a decision for Christ and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your Lord, your Savior, if you've never done that, you need to do that today. See, because that's one of the, the conditions that you have to, uh, have to be in. You have to be in Christ in order for you to hear that trumpet the day it sounds. You have to be in Christ. So we have to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Accept what the scripture has told us about salvation and grace. We have to. There's no other way around it. There's only one way, the scripture tells us. So you have the opportunity to get prayed with if you have not accepted Jesus Christ. Or if you're backslidden, you've never confessed, you know what, Lord, I know I've been backslidden. I act like I'm still serving you, but I know that I'm not. If you're backslidden today, you've kind of stepped back a little bit, Is your time to move forward, and we will pray with you. You're not in this by yourself. This is a community of faith, and we all are in this together, okay? So while the, if the sound could play something soft, you know, we are going to pray, So if anyone needs prayer, I'm going to tell you to take that step that you need to take, that one step of faith, that one step that says, yeah, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to, you're not committed to this church. You're committed to God. All right? And so um, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Raise your hand if you need prayer today. you need prayer, just, you're more than welcome to come forward. Amen. Come forward. Um, Josh, can you help him? get over here. Just stand there. We're going to come and send somebody to pray with you. You know, we have our elders here and they're going to pray with you, whatever your need is. Tell them what your need is and they're going to pray with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. We're all here rooting you on. We're not here to point and say, oh my goodness, look at that person. No, we're here to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my brother, for my sister. Thank you, Lord. Our elders are here. They're going to join you in prayer. You still have time while the song is playing. I'm encouraging you. If you need Jesus, don't think about it twice. Don't think about it three times. He's calling you today, He's made it available to you today. Come and we will pray with you. We will pray for God to help you in whatever area you need. All right? So, our elders around Nelson, if you could help him, this young man, we're going to pray. The rest of us that are seated, you need to pray like if this is for you. You need to pray like if that's your brother, that's your sister. That you need to pray. Those of you that are seated to help them be able to move forward and break the things in their life that's holding them back and just has a grip on them. Let's pray, let's pray for freedom and the breaking of strongholds. Let's pray for that. Those of us in the congregation, this is a praying church. Let's pray. Let's pray for the breaking of strongholds. The freedom. Let's pray for deliverance. Amen. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tammy, you could come forward. Amen. This couple is here, Jari and Johnny. One of you, could you help this couple that just walked in? Let's pray for them and their baby. Praise the Lord. We're praying. We're praying. We're praying. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. There's a need in the house. Let's pray. Jackie, if you could come over all the way over on this end. And Gabe, all the way over on this end. There's a, there's a couple over here. Or, or two people over here, actually. Three. Let's come over. Desi, if you're not busy, can you join over here? Let's pray with them. Let's ask them what their prayer need is. Let's pray with them. Hallelujah. Let's pray with them. Glory be the Lord. Let's pray with them. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Josh, if you're not, Josh, if you have a moment, can you pray here with, with Ralphie? hallelujah glory be the lamb glory be the blood of the lamb that cleanses us of all sins all unrighteousness thank you lord for the blessing the blessing that you've given us that our sins may be forgiven our lives may be changed by the power of your holy spirit lord I ask that they be sealed with your holy spirit all those oh lord who have not accepted you, but are accepting you today. Lord, seal them with your Holy Spirit that wherever they may be, Lord, you know exactly where they are. Oh Father, and you can meet them at their points of need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh Lord, lift every heart. Lift every heart. Heal every sore, every pain in their hearts, Lord. In the name of Jesus, make their feet firm on solid ground which is your word. We pray for these things, Lord. We pray for healing. Those that are sick among them, healing in the name of Jesus. Let the balsam of healing, Lord, just fall upon them and let them feel the healing to their bodies, healing to their minds, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Those that need, Lord, transformation of mind, Father, do it right now. Your presence can do it. Father, we are believing you for great things in the name of Jesus. Great and mighty things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Oh, let us give thanks to God for those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life today. There have been names that are added in the Lamb's book of life today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The scripture tells us that for every soul that is saved, there is celebration in heaven. There's a party going on today and your name is on the banner. This is great things. We pray blessings and blessings upon you and your families in the name of Jesus. Blessings. I'm just going to ask Jody if you could take some information of new folks and Johnny and Jody if you could Maybe the cards, I'm not sure. But let us be thankful today. And today, don't come and greet me. I want you to greet every single person that came up here for prayer today and welcome them into this community of faith. They're not alone anymore. They have brothers and sisters that they just inherited. Okay? So make sure that you welcome them.